Welcome back to my mother's favorite podcast, Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. I know it's her favorite because she tells me so, and because it's the only <laughs> podcast she listens to. What more could she possibly need to be entertained while learning about what goes on behind the scenes at a professional orchestra? I'm Mike Gordon, principal flute of the Kansas City Symphony. I'm Jason Sieber, the associate conductor. And I'm Stephanie Brimhall, the director of education and community engagement. So the Kansas City Symphony has been and continues to be, I must say, a well-oiled machine and, a, dare I say, an exemplary model for other American orchestras when it comes to a lot of different things. We have a roster of many stellar artists. We have an incredible staff of creative and dedicated people. We have a truly amazing community here in Kansas City that supports and loves the arts and loves their orchestra so much. We have one of the world's greatest concert halls. And most importantly, we have the world's greatest principal flute player. We truly yeah, have it we all. Yeah, we do. That's right, Stephanie. Wow. <laughs> Especially the principal flute. That's what makes all the difference, I think. That's what puts us over the top. Mike, maybe your mom wrote wrote that for me to say. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it could that, be. that was also your mom. I'm wondering what you all need from me. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, all those things, of course, make us great. But you actually did not mention one other very important element of our success, and that is that every outstanding orchestra must have a really wonderful and vital thriving board. Mm -hmm. And our board of directors at the KC Symphony is what every board of any performing arts nonprofit organization should strive to be. They're not only fully committed to helping us reach our necessary financial goals and finding that kind of support from the community, but they are truly invested in our mission and they are tremendously passionate about great orchestral music and bringing that music to all of Kansas City. And we've been spoiled, I got to say, guys, by the very best leaders for our board of directors the past many years with Shirley Helsberg, followed by Bill Lyons, and now Pat McCown, our current board president. We are blessed with an outstanding board and outstanding leadership. Well, that's absolutely true. And uh, I've been here a long time now and have had many, many wonderful opportunities to get to know our board members. And, and honestly, they always just wow me with their dedication to this organization, their leadership, and their commitment. This is something they do, you know, purely on a volunteer basis, uh, in addition to being busy, hardworking, uh, professional people here in Kansas City. And so we just thought it would be interesting to talk to one of our wonderful board members today and find out all about her and learn about the important things the Kansas City Symphony Board has done and continues to do to make our orchestra the success that it is. Please welcome to the show, Gina Williams. Welcome, Gina. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us Absolutely. Today. I drop everything. It, it, when I hear Kansas City Symphony, I'm like, what? Where? I'm, I'm there. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Well, Gina, I remember, uh, I think it was a, a recent board meeting, actually, that we were having over Zoom. Yes. And you typed in the chat to me how much you love... <laughs> Beethoven walks into a bar. Yes. You are a regular listener, so thank you for your I loyal am. support of our podcast. But that also kind of got you uh, involved today. Yes. Because once you told me that, I'm like, <laughs> we should have Gina on the show. I think that'd be really interesting for our listeners to hear about the board and all the many things they do. So again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule today sure, to absolutely. talk to us. We really appreciate it. How did you first become involved with music, specifically orchestral music, 
and and how did you first uh, become involved with the Kansas City Symphony? Yeah, so you know, I I grew up uh, a lover of music. It, it was it was just around me, you know. And I think back on, I mean, my life really. Every event, every moment is like a soundtrack playing. There's some music. There's something going on. I think that that's probably common for most people, but. I grew up just loving music and instruments. And I mean, I started with the plastic harmonicas and then eventually mm-hmm. I talked my parents into getting a, a real one, um, <laughs> you know, harmonicas, uh, recorders, the plastic version, and then the real ones. <laughs> I had the, the, the very small Casio keyboard players and then, hmm. and then a real one. <laughs> you know, it just started nice. from there. And, and I started picking it, you know, if we could play an instrument in school, I don't know. I was third grade, perhaps, with my first real recorder. And then that went into uh, playing the clarinet. And uh, and for school, I know, I know, Stephanie, I, I told you, I think we have some things in common, but I started playing the clarinet, but I didn't stop there. I mean, even though that was my main instrument for years and years, I just tinkered around with other instruments. I played around with the flute. I used to, I used to feel like I would pass out playing, trying to play flute. I also played the, the saxophone uh, quite a bit and wow. messed around with drums. And I just, I just love musical instruments. You know, in school, uh, we would go to the the uh, orchestra. I, I actually, uh, Jason, I think we talked about this. I was actually born in Cleveland, Ohio, and we right. would have uh, field trips to the orchestra. And uh, I always thought that was amazing. Um, once a year, my mother would take us to the Nutcracker. It was like girls day out and my my mother and my my big sister we go to the nutcracker so it just was kind of all around us and and so i i started playing in the band it was called the symphonic band and uh with the clarinet i was first chair for many many years and and uh i just love to play yes that's that's so exciting we do have so much in common already right I love it so much. And you know, I think it's so cool that you mentioned that you went to see the Cleveland Orchestra, and that was probably one of the first times that you were really hooked by probably orchestral music, and what a great orchestra to hear for your first first one. Um, But you know, we we find so many people that are patrons of the orchestra now, or on on the boards, they are people that, that had that first experience as a child coming to hear their local orchestra, and that just reinforces what what Stephanie and I do all the time where we are presenting concerts with the orchestra for elementary kids. I think that's so crucial to make that first connection at that age. You know, I'm really glad that you brought that up too. Um, this is this is a discussion that we've been having a lot. Um, of, of course, over the last several years, um, and I'm talking about audience development, but more recently, when we've been in this this time where we haven't been able to present concerts in public, um, you know, in in the concert hall the way that we are traditionally used to, and so we're really re- kind of reevaluating. Okay, what what is our mission? Like, what what is it that we want to be doing? We're we're going to use this time to kind of answer some questions and solve some issues or try to do that. And I've been thinking a lot about you know we're talking about audience development and. When I tell people what I do with the symphony, and then I tell them that I work with um, the educational content, almost always I'll hear, you know, oh, I did that in, I went on a field trip in the fourth grade. Like, I, you know, I, I did that when I was a kid. And if we're yeah. really talking about the kind of the product that we're putting out there 
I think so much we and we do a good job of it, but I don't want us to lose focus. I think so much of what we put into our educational programs and making that first experience something that you're going to take with you from age nine on is an invaluable audience development tool that we can't lose sight of because that's most people's first memory of an orchestra comes from when they were nine. That's exactly right. I, I, it's vitally important. And, you know, I, and, and I've been on the board for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. This is my third year. I never really understood it until listening to your podcast. I mean, huh. of course, I know the work you're doing and, yeah. you know, we get reports out on it, but really understanding it. And even, you know, as we talked about me visiting here today and I thought, yeah, there, there's a, a great parallel, right? It's just mm-hmm. a direct line between my experience and, and me coming here today. And it's probably like that for most people. So yeah. we can't stop. We can't no. stop. We've <laughs> got to do it more, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I think it's so vitally important um, to this art. So so I'm, I'm fascinated by how everyone comes to be, you know, connected with music, the, the Kansas City Symphony specifically. And, you know, you're talking about having such a, a strong impression and a strong involvement in music early in your life. And then just before we jumped on, you were mentioning, uh, you know, your schooling was in, in architecture and engineering. So in, I'm very, I'm very curious in, in 23 minutes or less, yes. can you uh, tell us, tell us a bit more about what led you, uh, you know, from a, a young life, you know, really steeped in music to architecture and engineering. And then what, what brought you back to music and, and specifically uh, your involvement with us? Cause I think it's, you know, for all, for all of the board members I've met over the years is such a fascinating story of of you know where that passion for music went through the course of their their lives and their careers and what eventually led them to work so intensely with us yeah you know and so (laughs) yeah i you know i always had this this artsy part of me and uh but i also was very good at you know math and science and i was very and you know i'm i'm just a nerd i always tell people i'm i'm really <laughs> i have this mohawk thing going on but i'm i'm really just a a nerd right and and uh so you know really into engineering and architecture and so it evolved you know as i got older i never left the music part uh, but I, you know, I, I did a lot of artsy stuff in school and it was art and then it became mechanical drawings. And so, you know, by the time I got in high school, I thought, well, you know, I, I loved music, but I didn't think I was good enough or could pursue a, a career in music. Uh, but I certainly, you know, felt like I might could I was able to do that, maybe um architecture. And and so I actually started out in uh, architecture when I went off to college. I went to Florida a University. I'll mention I, I did move to Florida when I was little. My father, father was an executive with, with uh, Pepsi-Cola. And so we ended up in, in Jacksonville, Florida. He built two plants there, uh, which I love. And then I, I stayed in Florida be- until I moved here. But uh, I started going into architecture. Uh, a lot of artsy drawing stuff in college and that exactly wasn't where I felt comfortable. I needed a little more math and science and so and then I went into what ended up being a degree in construction engineering technology in my undergrad degree 
And then I moved up here because of Black and Veatch. I was an engineer with Black and Veatch, and uh, I went on to get a master's degree at KU in architectural engineering. And so, so yeah, so um, I just had these two things happening, and and eventually I, I sort of had to choose which way I was going to go. And uh, I went the architecture engineering route, um, but I stay very close to music. I never really let go of it, you know, and, and so it became just uh, passion projects and wherever I can fit it in, I would. And, um, you know, it, it's probably since I've even been in town besides attending the symphony, like I, I had a drum set, so I was walking around my drum set. So I still keep my, <laughs> my drumsticks and, you know, I will tell people, uh, often, I'm a musician at heart. Um, one funny, funny story is that I, when I was in the back in the '70s, I fell in love with Prince, and not because he like yes. looked good and can sing falsetto. It was because he played every instrument on the album. Yes. And when I heard that, I was blown away. So I've been this huge Prince fan uh, for that reason. And so I, I will tell you, I'm a, I'm a musician at heart. You know, I always say that. So I always feel like when I'm with you guys, I'm in good company. Right. And so I'm so mm-hmm. in awe of all the, all the musicians. Do you recall your, it doesn't necessarily have to be your first exposure to the Kansas city symphony. If you, if you recall that, that's great. But some of your early impressions, cause obviously something had to spark there yeah. in order for you to eventually make a decision to join the board. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I've been a subscriber for years, and um, I can't remember my first uh, visit to the symphony, but uh, I'm talking in early years with the lyric. I think Mm -hmm. Ann Munson was the conductor at the time, and we would go to the symphony. And so I I met my husband at Black and Beach. Uh, He's still there. And for a special night, we would go to the symphony. Now, he had a big musical background. His father... I was a sound engineer uh, working on movies, and he played the saxophone, and, you know, there was always music at home and reel-to-reel stuff, and and he was a DJ, and so, again, I, I meet this guy. I mean, we're like, we're like twins, right? <laughs> He's the other <laughs> side of me um, with music and engineering, and, and so we kind of had that in common, but for a special night, we would go to the symphony. He'd get these symphony tickets. Uh, and we'd be at the Lyric and intermission. We'd rush and get our cookie and, <laughs> <laughs> and have a glass of wine. I mean, it was just a special night. And then by the time, I think like in about, what, 2000, my daughter was born, we became subscribers because we wanted to lock in our date nights. And so we thought, well, if we get it on a calendar, we'll give it to the babysitter and so she'll know what nights we need her. So we, you know, as, as engineers do, we planned it out. We didn't have to worry. In fact, the babysitter would tell me, hey, you've got the symphony coming up. <laughs> so I'll see you on Friday. We're like, oh, you do? And so anyway, yeah. So, you know, we've been subscribers for all of these years. And it wasn't until a few years ago I met Emma Kale, mm-hmm. uh, your former general manager, a wonderful lady. I met her at a program, a, a leadership program. Mm. Uh, in, we went around the room, it was 25 of us, and we introduced ourselves. And I think I even went first, and, and they, one of the questions was, you know, what do you do for fun? And I said, you know, a perfect night is with my honey, my husband at the Kansas City Symphony, you know, and I said something like that. So then, you know, we get around 10 other people and we get around to her and 
and she talks about what she's doing. And I like, I, I can't believe it. I, you know, my mouth is open. <laughs> I, I'm like, wait, well, what you do? What? Cause I didn't know Emma and you know, all these years. <laughs> and, and, um, so of course the next break we had, I make a beeline to her and we just like, <laughs> we connect right away and, uh, have become very good friends. But I, I, I wanted to know everything about, you know, the, the symphony. And I told her how much I love it. And I think I talked about the, the performance just the you know the weekend before and and all of that it was many many months later that uh she said what what would you think about being on the board i know you're very busy but what do you, what do you think and i was like i don't know i'm i'm like i love it too much i don't know that i want to <laughs> you don't want to know all the dirty details <laughs> yeah i'm like mm, i don't know <laughs> i don't want to know <laughs> and so she said well would you would you would you agree to meet Frank Frank Byrne? And I said, well, yeah, I meet Frank. You know, of course, I, again, I felt like I knew Frank because I would see him all the time, right? And I, in our in our seats at the time, we're I think we're in the second row, so I was like, I'm always looking at his feet. I'm, I'm very close up to him. So, <laughs> at any rate, I met Frank. Frank and I hit it off right away, and uh, and you know, Frank. Uh, and we met a couple of times. Frank told me, he said, if if you love it, he said, you're going to love it. I mean, you're really going to love it behind the scenes. And I just took his word nice. for it. And uh, I mean, not that I needed much convincing. You know, I was honored to be even considered. And uh, and that was three years ago. So glad I did it. But I'll tell you, you know, the way I feel about the symphony hasn't changed. It's just grown, you know, so that's yeah, right. it's been exciting. Lucky for us, you and Emma were in that same room together <laughs> on that day because we certainly appreciate your wonderful input to what we do. No, thank you. Um, and also, if I could take one more moral from your story is if you're out there and you're single and you're looking for the perfect partner and you're looking for a long-term happy marriage, then don't go to Tinder, don't go to eHarmony. Come to the Kansas City Symphony. Exactly. That's the moral of the story. That's the perfect date and the perfect way to yeah. for a long, happy, healthy marriage. That's right. Um, Gina, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, people think of boards for nonprofits as primarily a fundraising uh, vehicle, which of course, that is a major part of what the board for the Kansas City Symphony does or any symphony orchestra. But it's so much more than that, as you know. Yeah. What are some other th uh, roles that you see the board having with a professional orchestra? And what are some things that the Kansas City Symphony Board specifically has accomplished in your time here that you're really proud of? Yeah, so, you know, I, and actually I serve on a couple of boards and that, that hints uh, uh, Emma's question about how much time I have. And, <laughs> you know, mostly boards are, are there to, you know, challenge things, give a give a independent uh, perspective, you know, ask a lot of tough questions. Uh, and then you have your fiduciary responsibilities. You want to make sure there's a healthy financial stewardship going on and, and that sort of thing. So it's, you know, it's oversight and governance and all of that. It's a business at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, really... The Kansas City Symphony Board, and like most boards I'm on, what I always keep in mind is, you know, you want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing here is music, um, providing beautiful mm -hmm. music to the community. And so um, really, <laughs> I'll tell you that I'm just a groupie <laughs> and I'm disguised <laughs> as a board 
you know, a board director, but really <laughs> I'm just a fan. And so everything we do and, and I'm always thinking about what, you know, what do our musicians think about this or what would this mean to them? I like them being on the board so we can hear directly. And, and often we'll say, well, what do you guys think about that? And, you know, hmm. we really want their input because to me, again, the, the main thing is the main thing. And, and we need to make sure that they're well taken care of and, and continue to make the the beautiful music they do. So uh, I love our board. I'm so glad to be on it. Very honored to be there. But I'll tell you that, you know, when it comes to like a lot of what you do on the board is getting a word out. It's about, you know, bringing your network into the fold and that sort of thing. But I did that anyway. Uh, that's why, you know, for me, it's like I'm on the board. And I'm honored to be here, but I, I wouldn't go anywhere if I wasn't on the board. There'll be a time I won't be. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's about getting the word out and, and talking to friends and family. And, and I've done that for years. If you grab 50 people that know me, um, they're going to tell you about the symphony because they've heard <laughs> that about me. And I, and I you know, I'm, I'm always spreading the word or, um, you know, over all these years when we are not able to make it to a performance, then that's my opportunity to invite a girlfriend or if we, neither of us can make it. I give my tickets away and then that gives other people exposure. We have great seats. We're now in a partier, but you know, we'll give our seats away and, and let others experience it. Um, one story I wanted to mention, Jason was <laughs> my, my sister is obsessed with this, a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. And when you played uh, for our film series, my sister mm -hmm. was going to be in town. It was a big surprise to her. But I bought tickets for her uh, Christmas present. Oh wow! And had her come. Uh, it was it was fantastic. It was as if I oh, had planned this perfect performance just for my sister, my big sister. So it was it was awesome. So so I, I think that you know yeah, getting the word out and, and getting people to know all about the the symphony is the is the greatest deal. But I, I did that anyway. So the work I do on the on the board seems to be seems to be very easy. But in terms of um, what I'm most proud about, you know, and some of the big things we've done, I mean, you know, three years ago when I started uh, on the board, the big deal was Frank Burns' uh, replacement. Mm -hmm. So the, the, you know, executive director search was huge. And mm -hmm. uh, so I was glad to be a part of that. You know, I was involved in meeting the candidates and and I think we we hit the jackpot with Danny. I mean, Danny Beckley, for the times we're in right now, just seems to be the perfect guy, right? Um, his leadership is off the chart and, and being able to pivot and be flexible uh, in the way that I've seen the Kansas City Symphony have, have been the last you know year has been incredible to me. So mm -hmm. I just think, thank God, we, we hit the jackpot there. So that's really good. And so, of course, along with all of that, the, the uh, mobile music box, the live streaming, mm -hmm. the Saturday streamings, the music talk, the YouTube, I'm soaking it all in. I, I love it. And, you know, a few weeks within the pandemic, you know, it was so sad. It was shocking. I happened to be in the, <laughs> I was in the, in a board meeting I think it was a music director search meeting we had mm -hmm. when the um, mayor shut down the city, and and it was it was a little bit of a panic there. Um, but you know, just a few weeks later, you guys were doing your podcast. I cried when when I listened. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was like, 
we're going to, and now we're going to, we're going to do a podcast. I mean, like things weren't shut down, you know, we just found a different way to connect and, and so I love it. So I'm, I'm proud of all those things. Of course, it had nothing to do with the board, I would say. I mean, it's, it's a creativity you guys have had, but to keep going and, and secretly, I'll tell you, I've, I've always just really wanted to know about the musicians. I, I want to know what they eat, you know, what they, what they <laughs> drink. I mean, like about their families or how they start their instruments. And so I love the meet a musician series on YouTube. You know, I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm even doing the music talk. I'm talking about glissandos. I even walked <laughs> around the house, Jason, learning how to conduct and, uh, you know. Yay, yeah, that's I mean, great. It, I think those things are incredible. And, you know, the pandemic has been terrible, but but some of the things we're doing, you know, we got to keep going. And I think it's it's uh, it's amazing. I like it. You know, I mean, you say, you know, you didn't have anything to do with that. But but I think one of the true signs of of incredible leadership, and we've been discussing this a lot, actually, in the last two weeks, because we're actually currently going through a staff search right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so we've been talking a lot about what what good leadership actually means and, and how you get that. And I think a lot of a lot of that comes from just having faith and having trust in the people who've been hired to do their yeah. jobs, that they're going to do their jobs. So you don't have to, you know, micromanage and make, that's right. you know, you know, big adjustments from a leadership position. You just, you, you hire the right people and you trust that they're going to do that kind of work. And I think we, the, the trust that exists here between it starts with the board and the executive leadership and the music director. And it tr- really does trickle all the way down. And I think that really makes an incredible work environment. And that starts with, with you all for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, really it's about doing the work and getting out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, one of the things that, that I love so much too. You know, I, I had an opportunity to uh, serve on our board for a few years. I think I think it was just before you came on, Gina. Um, and, and I should say we we have four musicians on our board. Yes, all the time, full voting members, and they they you know rotate periodically. But it, it's an incredible opportunity uh, for the musicians who have uh, been able to do it. And over the years, you know that that number becomes large. Um, to see, to see uh, how how all of you uh, think about the organization and have a real conversation between musicians and board members and trust, uh, and and also to to I think you know um, exchange uh, have a real synergy of of you yeah. know what our skill sets are because the the thing that I loved most about being on the board actually. And I sat on the finance committee for even longer <laughs> than I was on the board. Uh, and so I would see the real, you know, details of the numbers and the spreadsheets and the Excel and things that flute players yeah. should stay far, far away from. <laughs> um, but, but to, you know, to have that experience and see how uh, incredibly thoughtful and, and with such dedication that you put, you know, your individual skills yeah. into, into uh, uh, you know fostering and caring for this incredible artistic organization is is just amazing to me and for me that's also really what a board is about it's about bringing together people with really necessary and 
and diverse skill sets that an organization needs that it can't always have entirely on the staff level. And, you know, musicians, God forbid, musicians should never run a business. So, (laughs) so I just, I just want to say how incredible that experience is, but I'm curious also for you, you know, since you said you're so interested in the musicians and I know that you are, um, you know, what is that experience like in a board meeting, getting to interact with the musicians, not even actually meetings are not often so interactive, right? It's, it's all the other times, but what, what is it like for you, you know, in those interactions to get to know uh, musicians and how does that sort of make you think differently about, about the work that you do on the board level or, you know, maybe work that you do elsewhere? Yeah. You know, I, like I mentioned, you know, I, I'm really just a, a groupie and I, I have this face I have to wear. So it, it's business when it's business, but many times, you know, as we're talking about things, if it if it seems to me that it, I don't know. I, I've been in. I would say in the in the three years, there's been times where I thought perhaps we. I just wanted more input from the musicians, and so I've just asked for it. like, what do you guys think about this, or mm-hmm. or I'm I'm trying to understand what does it really mean, you know, um, my understanding of it because I. Again, I want to make sure that we're, it's just not all business that we, we get that input. And so I, I just like hearing, you know, what your, your feedback would be on some of these things. And so that's great. Yeah. Often enough in the meetings, there's not a lot of time for um, getting to know anybody, but I do, um, you know, when we've had different events, uh, however, that the the board's invited to, then I take full advantage. <laughs> You'll see me in a corner, and I'm talking to someone, and and I'm I'm hearing all about their background and where they went to school, and we talk about Juilliard and 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 Curtis Institute of Music. I mean, I'm I'm just soaking it all in, and so I try not to geek out too much um, when I see people and talk to them. You know, I'm supposed to act calm, but to me. You know, I'm I'm talking to rock stars. I'm talking to you know these are in my mind they feel like um, you know famous people or I don't know you know I I kind of geek out. I I uh, live I think nearby Mark Gibbs. My son plays the cello, and uh, I mean I go crazy when I see him. Like look 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 who's there. And then of course when I see him, it's like hi Mark. <laughs> and and then I I remember and I thought this was the coolest thing, and it was something I wanted to record. But I was very calm, but my son had just played. I think actually Mark Starter was on, on stage uh, here at the, the local high school and Mark uh, met my son and, and they shook hands and then they talked about they, they talked about finger notes and then that he held his hand up against my son's little hand and they talked about their I mean I just things like that that's incredible. So anyway, so I look forward to times like that. I you know, I'm just trying to take advantage of it and and just soak it all in, but um so yeah, I'm just a big fan. So you've talked about, you know, the fact that that if you ask 50 people who know you, they would be able to tell yeah. us about about the symphony. Um if you were just meeting um, you know, somebody local, Kansas Cityan for the first time and you were going to give them just like an elevator pitch, on why they should go to the symphony. Like, what is a Gina Williams elevator <laughs> speech about yeah. the symphony sound like? You know what? I, I, when I talk about it, I'm, I, it's very emotional for me. It feels like, how do you, I don't know, put emotions in sound. If, if emotions could be sound, that's what you get. That's what I get. Hmm. 
you, you, you've got things from, you know, what does it feel like when you're happy or, or what does that sound like? Or when you're sad or, you know, it's gloomy. It's, it's all of those things, but, but I would say a couple of practical things, you know, I, I, the idea that the symphony isn't for everyone that, that hurts me when I hear it, mm-hmm. because it is, um, it may not look very diverse all the time, but but it certainly is for everybody. And that's what I, I love so much about the, the outreach and the, the mobile music box and the things we're doing now, because it is getting to all corners of, of the community. But I'll tell you, I like to dress up when I go. You know, yeah. we tell people, you know, you you can wear whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable in, wear that. We just want you there. And it's not for rich people. You know, we've got tickets that are as low as $25. In fact, I'll give you my tickets, you know, to mm-hmm. get you in the door. And so I say, come out and experience something new, something exciting. Close your eyes. Think of your very best day. What does that, you know, what might that sound like is is mm-hmm. is my, my hook um, to get somebody to kind of really feel it, you know, what this could mean for them. So, I'm, and I'm glad that you said that uh, about the perception that the symphony a is only for rich people and um, that it's, you know, it, well, it's just not for me, you know, it's, it's too intimidating or it's just not for me. How, just from an outside perspective, because we kind of live in this all the time. And for us, it's like, well, of course it's for you because it's for me. And like, you know, but how does somebody from the outside, how do we continue to convey that message? What do we need to do so that people think it's for them? I, it's a very hard question. I, you know, because I, I sit so I'm on the inside too, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, as I talked about my road to the symphony, it was around love. It was around love of music for one, but then it's, it's a special night with my husband and it still is. I mean, when yeah. we, when we listened to the performance, the chamber music yesterday, it was special. Mm-hmm. We we still make it very special, even here in the house, and we got it plugged into our TV and and that sort of thing. So, it's really special. But I but you know I like to dress up, and so when I go, I'm gonna be dressed up. I mean, I remember not very long ago, we went. I had on a mink coat. Now I got this mink coat as our twentieth wedding anniversary, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, and so yeah, we we came to the symphony. Actually, I think it was our two hundred and fiftieth uh, Beethoven celebration. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I brought out my mink coat, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think about that a lot because I think, gosh, you know, we want people to feel comfortable. I certainly didn't want anybody to feel uncomfortable, yeah, right. But because I wanted to wear my mink coat, <laughs> you know, it was a it was a gift from my husband, and I'm with him, and, and we're having a special night. So. I don't know. I think that I think the things we're doing, we have to keep doing. I think the getting out into the community, I think, will yeah. help and get people in. And I and I gotta say this too, the pop series, it is amazing. As much as I like the orchestral music, I'm I'm there listening, right? But that pop music to me just feels like the secret sauce to get your your everyday Joe in the door. Get them in there, get them understanding why they could love this, you know, and then and even the film series. Right. And it, and it just kind of you keep getting people through the door and then you, you turn them on as they go, I think. Yeah. And perhaps. I think we we do we do a good job of doing a lot of diverse programming. So, I yeah. mean, you know, it, th- we offer so many different things for a 
any taste. I mean, really, chamber music, full orchestra, yeah. symphonic music, film music, um, pop music, you know, kids music. I mean, we do we do yeah. so many different things. I think a lot of it is, and we're working on it, um, is just the way we tell our story and the storytelling and how we get that message out there in a way that is accessible and digestible and um you know, we just have to, we need more Gina's to just tell <laughs> tell 50 oh, of their yeah. closest friends every day. Can we day. clone you, Gina? Can we clone you? <laughs> I know. I'm just this nerdy engineer that love music. I know. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, I encourage you to wear your mink coat to concerts <laughs> whenever, whenever you want. And that just sounds fabulous. And uh, as far as comfort, what could be more comfortable? Oh, my gosh. Um, I know. <laughs> but I so I mean, we're having a really interesting conversation about about your experience with concerts and what gets you excited about them. And I just wonder, as this year has drawn on, well, really last year we're new in yeah. this year, but as this as this season has drawn on, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it many times on the podcast. Individual musicians, the organization as a whole, um, uh, and you mentioned it as well, is is been continuously. Um, striving to to evolve to reinvent what we do to to accommodate the moment and i think you know we've all learned a lot uh not just musicians everybody we've all learned a lot of new things uh in this yeah. period and you know one of the one of the essential uh roles of the board i think is to you know talk about the sort of 60,000 foot level vision of where you know, where the organization is going. So I realize you don't speak individually for the whole organization, but I'm just curious, you know, as such a longtime um, devoted attendee and somebody who's so thoughtful about the experience, you know, what have, what have we learned now that, you know, maybe is going to change how the concert experience, how the interaction with our audience in community, uh, in the community is different, you know, going forward. I mean, they're the obvious things like we have the mobile music box now, which I'm sure is going to continue. Uh, we're doing more digital stuff. I think is definitely going to continue, but maybe differently uh, from what we're doing right now. So I don't know. I'm just curious what your reflections are on all of that. Yeah, I think I think you know I I think for sure we have to keep some of these things going. But I would be interested to see what our audience would look like when we when we get back in the hall if mm -hmm. we don't see a slightly different group than we would normally. Um, you know, I, I would just wonder uh, if that's the case, you know, and, and maybe it's not, I mean, there are some, I would say, uh, what is it? Concert norms, you know, like that you just learn over the years, like you're going to be silent between movements. And if you're not silent, I mean, you're, you're getting, you're getting a, a side eye from somebody <laughs> because, you know, silence is a sound, too. It's the absence of sound, and it's important. And But maybe there's some grace that's given, you know, in, in those cases or, or different things. So, I, you know, I think that maybe there's a, there could be some, a loosening, perhaps, of some of that. Um, um, I still, you know, it's a lot of coughing going on. I'm, I'm not a fan. And I, and I can tell you, I can, I can be just as like, what, 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 what was that? What was that? It's silent. He said silence, you know, whatever. So, so, um, but I, you know, maybe, maybe some of that will, will change. Um, but I, I think it's really hard, you know, to, 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 um, somehow we've got to translate all of this, 
uh, involvement we've been doing, we've certainly got to keep it going. We've got to translate that into getting them in the hall itself and then running the business, right? It is the business to, to run. So I don't know that I have an answer. I just want to make sure that we keep going. And I realize, you know, you musicians are very busy. Um, I mean, when I, when I hear about your schedules, sometimes I, I mean, that was the, the biggest, um, I think, aha for me in joining the board. I mean, I know the concerts I attend and I know the concerts you're, you're doing, but some of the things you're doing for corporations, like, you know, the 40, 40 performances in 30 days in December. I mean, it, it used to be outrageous. Like, I don't know how you guys do it. So so, um, so how do you do that and keep all this other stuff going? I don't know. Right. Um, hard question. Yeah. Well, that'll be something we definitely have to figure out because we do want to continue to get out into the community yeah. like we have over the pandemic here. All right, Gina. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. We are so appreciative of you sitting down with us and, and telling us all about your role with the board. And I've learned some stuff about you and about the board that <laughs> I didn't even think of before. So I really appreciate your insight. But we can't let you escape today without our favorite two questions, which we ask all our guests, as you know, because you are a I know. devoted listener. <laughs> so I'm sure you've been thinking about this so that if you have your moment, which you do today, you finally get to get we're my moment. finally get to hear your answers. So what is Gina Williams' favorite drink? And what would you ask Beethoven if you were sitting down with him at the bar or a cafe sharing this drink with him? All right. So on a regular normal day after I leave the office, my home office, <laughs> and I go to sit down and watch the news, I record the news every night and I like to see what's going on, nightly news. I'm going to have a glass of Riesling. It's just real simple. Nice. But if I'm frisky, I've got a couple. If I'm frisky, <laughs> then I want an old-fashioned. Mm, yeah, Yummy, yummy. Yes. Yeah. Good answer. Woodbridge, you know, uh, or Knob Creek old-fashioned. Nice. And then, and then on just a regular old, it's a rough day, I like a Crown Royal and ginger ale. <laughs> mm, so those are, those are my drinks, but mostly it's just Riesling. That's good. That's a, a different drink for each mood. I kind of yeah, like that yeah, for what kind yeah. of day you have. <laughs> and what would you ask Beethoven if you were you sharing know, a Riesling or an old fashioned with him? Yeah. You know, if it was in modern days, like now, I really would want to know what does he think about, I think about the, you know, his symphony number no. five, right? What would he think about how common it is? You know, it's, hmm. it's on ringtones. It's in cartoons. Uh, yeah. You know, what would he think of that? It, it's like the probably one of the most famous few, what, 10 notes. Mm -hmm. And what, what would he think of it? You know, I think about um, uh, Saturday Night Fever and, you know, the fifth of Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> song, you know, I mean, it was disco. I mean, it's just, we've kind of turned it upside down and on its head. I, I'd like to know what you think about that. Yeah. I love that question. Cool. Very cool question. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I never even thought, of, I, 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 especially the fifth of Beethoven, I would especially be interested in what he would think about I know. That. Like, I think he would do? like it. I <laughs> think he would like it, it personally. Yeah. I, I think he would like it. Yeah. That's just Wonder me. why all these people are dancing around while he's, he couldn't, he couldn't hear it necessarily, but why are we dancing around on that yeah <laughs> gina thank you so much for joining us and you know thank we you. know you are very busy and appreciate you taking the time to chat and i love getting to know more about you and uh <laughs> all of the lovely things we have in common which i oh, now i'm excited you. to explore further you and i are going to have some wine together at some point yes I'm we are sure <laughs> now <laughs>
<laughs> our listeners can check out more information about the Kansas City Symphony Board on our website at kcsymphony.org. And since Gina brought up all of the exciting videos that we're putting together, like our music talk videos and our um, conversations with musicians and all of that, all of that can also be found at kcsymphony.org. Definitely check those out. We have some really exciting new videos that are up right now that introduce everyone to the um, families of instruments. So starting this week, you can learn about the brass family from our um, five of our brass players, the wind, woodwind family, the strings family. We're really excited um, for you not to on, not only to get to learn about the instruments, but learn a little bit more about our awesome musicians as well. So definitely visit kcsymphony.org for that. And you guys, the mobile music box is back. We are back in back. your community. We are doing awesome. concerts and uh, we're super excited to be back out there in the community with um, this amazing spring weather that we're going to continue to have. I'm confident in that throughout the whole spring. Um, so you can check out the symphonies mobile music box and a neighborhood near you at, um, you can find those locations at kcsymphony.org as well. And here at Beethoven walks into a bar. We are going to be mixing it up in the coming weeks with what we are going to call individual shorts. And these will be shorter episodes with just one of the three of us sitting down with a guest who is an important part of our individual musical life. Next week, I'll be hosting the first short with the music director at my previous job with the Louisville Orchestra. Teddy Abrams is without a doubt one of the most innovative, gifted, and passionate conductors I have ever had the privilege to work with, and I can't wait for you to learn all about him. We're going to talk about his bold and creative programming, how he has really engaged the entire Louisville community, and what his thoughts are on the direction of orchestras and orchestral music in the future. That's next week on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar.